final hour of the Hoffman Show here on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Manana, we will be at Capital One Arena. Uh, Anthony, do you know if we're at District D or are we in the concourse tomorrow? I'm guessing we're at District D. I think they're having another block party uh, with the, the new court and all that kind of stuff being celebrated, which I realize there's great irony in, uh, if we're being honest, with the uh, celebrating something so D.C., something so district with the boundary stones and everything uh, on the heels of the week's news. But um, I do believe that they're having another block party and we'll be at, we'll be at Capital One tomorrow. Uh, and District D, I should say, tomorrow. Uh, that I don't know. Okay. Um, I wish I was going because I wouldn't know. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe I wouldn't know. Yeah. I, we're going to find a, a remote soon that you can come to. That's a priority for me. That would be greatly appreciated. I don't know if it can necessarily be a high priority because I don't really actually have control <laughs> over these things. But what I tell you, what's the remote that you should you should make sure you come on? Vegas, bro. Oh, yeah. See if you can get yourself out to, to Radio Row. Yes. Because I'm going to be there. I booked those flights for real, for real. I'm going to look into it. So the boys the boys are going to the chicanery that is Radio Row in Las Vegas uh, coming up in, in a couple of months. Uh, right now, speaking of chicanery, shenanigans, tomfoolery, it is time for Never Read the Comments. We tried to warn them. They didn't listen. Every week, the Hoffman Show goes into the belly of the beast. We read those comments, baby. Never read the comments. All right, it is time to dive into the deepest, darkest part of the internet. That's right, the comments section, specifically my comments section. At Craig Hoffman on YouTube. We also check them at the Team 980. And we also have episodes of Take Command in full at 1067 The Fan. Uh, obviously, the big topic that we posted a bunch of content from yesterday are our interviews around the monumental sports teams leaving for Potomac Yards, uh, at least the framework of the deal in place, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, rarely do we get a point so good from user XB6RN7QY2X that we have to actually read their username and, and use the comment because normally those are user blah, 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 word vomit, letter number vomit. Um, those are typically where the worst comments come from. But no, no, no. We had a great comment from user dash XB6RN7QY2X talking about Ted Leonsis and his role in this and, and kind of the title of the the opening segment yesterday was, I don't care if Ted Leonsis got a good business deal. And user, you get it by now, uh, said, this isn't even real capitalism. Ted was allowed the honor and privilege to own a multi-billion dollar monopoly that is the Washington Wizards over professional basketball in the entire region that has a huge and authentic basketball culture at that. He doesn't have direct competitors and doesn't even have to put out a quality product. That's not real capitalism. If y'all, the people defending him online, are going to use that lame excuse, then let's allow another NBA team in D.C. and see how he 
reacts. And I think this is a great point. And I mentioned this earlier in the show, but I will mention it again here because it's been a few hours and most of you probably weren't listening at four o'clock. But professional sports isn't capitalism, the way in which we assign team ownership. And so this idea that, oh, they're the owners, they just get to make the money, to me, falls so incredibly short. European sports, like specifically soccer, with their tiers and relegation and promotion and uh, the ability for anybody to start a club and, and get involved, and if you climb the ladder, you climb the ladder, that is that is capitalism. That is cutthroat competition, baby. What you have in American pro sports is oligarchy. And to the extent there's competition, it's with other entertainment. It's with other, you know, do I want to go to a movie tonight or do I want to watch the Wizards game? Do I want to watch the Wizards game on TV or do I want to watch The Voice? Do I want to go to the Wizards game or the Capitals game or go to a bowling alley or a movie theater? And these are, there, there's other elements, of course. You can always spend your money somewhere else or your attention somewhere else. But even within pro sports, specific to the Capitals and the Wizards, they're not in competition with each other. They can't play the same night at home. They share an arena. And that is something that I think is another part of this that we're going to talk about in a little bit is the idea, like part of the reason this is happening this way is because you've got two franchises with two very different fan bases and two, well, there's a ton of overlap, two different fan bases and two different kind of competing not competing, but two alternate sets of goals to win, to make money, to do all these things, but they're they're not related to each other that are all of a sudden related because they're owned by the same person? Like, what's best for the Capitals may not be what's best for the Wizards, and what's best for the Wizards may not be what's best for the Capitals, and yet they are tied together? No, that seems, that's ridiculous. Signs of an oligarchy. A small amount of people have immense amounts of power. And I don't necessarily begrudge people owning multiple teams, but I, the more I think about it, the more I like the Stan Kroenke, well, I guess Kroenke owns the abs and the, the Nuggets, but the, the let's call it the Josh Harris model. You own one team in D.C., you own one team in Philadelphia, you own one team in New Jersey, you own one team in London. They, they operate independently and they do what's best for them. I think you owe it to the fans to have that and to be like, oh, yeah, no, hey, it's Ted's team's. I agree with this commenter. You have the honor and the privilege of owning the teams. You should act in what's best for the teams, and that means what is best ultimately for the team's fans. And that is trying to put a winning product on the court and prioritizing that over your own financial gain. Doesn't mean you can't make money. It just means you should prioritize winning and making sure you serve the fans who have kept that franchise afloat to the point that you bought it. I think that's that's a totally fair and reasonable ask. And yet some people are like, the billionaire has a right to make more money. Whatever. Uh, David Herzing, 1496, with our dumbest comment of the week. Oh, look, this is on uh, our chat with Andy Zimbalist, one of the leading economists who studies sports economies in the world. He goes, oh, look, Craig just happens to be friends with a leading economist. No agenda here. I would ask this question, Anthony, what agenda would I have? What, like, what are the possible agendas I have by having an economist on? Like, let's, let's pretend I did have an, a quote unquote agenda. What, what agenda is accomplished by talking to an economist? 
are you yourself trying to become an economist? Uh, no. Uh, I, Have you I, seen our show's history with math? <laughs> I don't know, Craig. Like, I got a couple of these types of comments, and it's like, your agenda. And, like, if you want to call me a socialist because I I view these teams as, like, things that should be, that belong to the people, and I'm not this pure, uncut, whatever, worship at the altar of the almighty dollar capitalist, then fine. Like, whatever. I, I'm perfectly like i laugh at those responses and by the way i just spent the first five minutes of this segment explaining why your capitalist example is stupid and wrong um but i do find it funny when you get uh, accused of conspiracy theories that don't make sense because there was also another comment we got about are your overlords pushing this and it's like pushing what i asked somebody smarter than me with more knowledge than me in a specific area questions there is no agenda there but now we all get to laugh at you and never read the comments. So that's that's cool. Um, Chad K6996 says, I can't wait to go see the Red Wings smash the, he calls them the craps, <laughs> the caps in an actual nice area slash arena. I've hated going to Chinatown for games for years. The area is a total dumpster fire and the surrounding area is void of anything nice. Oh wait, there's a CVS across the street and some subpar bars. Okay, Chad, what exactly are you looking forward to in Alexandria right now? I know they're going to build a mini city, but you realize that right now what's in Alexandria is a dirt and a target. And you're mad about subpar bars and a CVS? Huh? I'm not telling you that Chinatown Gallery Place, Penn Quarter is my favorite area of D.C., I'm not telling you that it's exactly thriving right now. But I have a lot more sympathy and empathy for that area and the changes it's undergone, like many business districts across America, because of a pandemic that changed the way that we live and work. And so instead of whining and complaining about it, like, let's let's be intelligent about what it is. And Chad... There's plenty of amazing world-class restaurants in Penn Quarter. So I don't know why you're going to your subpar bars, but may I recommend to you Haleo by Jose Andres or Oyamel by Jose Andres, a world-renowned and world-class chef. Carmine's is a very well-known and respected Italian chain. Get your big giant family and go to Carmine's and have some pasta. Um, there's a bunch of other like smaller, fast casual type of places, your sweet greens. Um, when I was down there for jury duty the other day in the neighborhood, I went to the Bindas Bowl place uh, for lunch. Uh, Bindas, a great Indian restaurant that has kind of a fast casual uh, bowls restaurant uh, style, like your Chipotle style restaurant down there. Um, and while plenty have closed, a place like Bar Louie that has been replaced by District E, which they did a very great job of inside, like this Alexandria location is begging for a Bar Louie that was there forever. Uh, you know, Penn Quarter Sports Bar. Like, there's all kinds of stuff up and down the, the monetary scale, up and down the niceness scale, up and down the personality and the character scale, uh, from suit and tie to bottom basement bar. And that's kind of the goal. And it works as long as there's people there. The problem is there's no more people there. And so that is what it is. Chad, have fun in Alexandria uh, on whatever... Uh, 
thing they build up from the ground and all its personality. Not that I'm anti-Alexandria. I love Alexandria. It's a very cool part of the DMV. Um, but so is DC. Um, and downtown's important. Uh, at GBRV8IM says, not good for Alexandria traffic that already stinks. Um, one, yesterday at this time, we talked to Adam Tuss about the transportation side of this, and he was awesome. One of the better interviews and more, I would say not even better, like one of the really more insightful interviews that we've had on something that is so incredibly relevant to all of our lives, getting around in a long time. Adam, of course, NBC Forest transportation reporter. We talked about how this Potomac Yard Station is like on the chopping block on Metro side of it right now. Adam and others also reporting today that Metro wasn't remotely aware of, like no one at Metro was aware of that this announcement was coming at Potomac Yards yesterday. So meanwhile, they're going to all the jurisdictions and they're like, hey, uh, we might need to shut down a bunch of Metro stations and, and slash this and cut that because we're in a $500 million hole, I think is the number. And they're like, yeah, uh, this whole arena complex is going to work because the new Potomac Yard station that nobody goes to and isn't big enough to handle it. Seems like a flaw in the plan. I'd also mention this. And I saw some some folks talking about this yesterday. Imagine, Anthony, actually, I'm going to bring you in here. Uh, it's 7 o'clock. The show ends. You have a flight out of town uh, that you need to get to Reagan for. Right now, how long does that take you? You've done that a couple times recently. Yeah, I have. It's taken me probably about 8 to 10 minutes. Yeah. Real smooth drive. Imagine if all of a sudden you had Wizards or Capitals game traffic. Yeah, uh, I probably would have missed my flight. Yeah. I would be stressing, at least. Yeah, you'd probably have to take off from work to make sure that you could get there on time. Uh, or you'd have to take an alternate route. You'd, you'd take uh, the green, you'd probably Metro, take the green line back up to, to L'Enfant and then hop on a yellow train out to the airport. Good gracious. That's a lot. Um, it is. And by the way, if you live in the city, I highly recommend taking the Metro to the airport. It's great. And uh, you don't have to worry about parking. And, you know, that's that's a huge plus because parking at the airport is expensive and all that. But anyone who's at rush hour tried to get to the airport, it's terrible. Now imagine rush hour plus a freaking basketball or hockey game. That area is going to be a disaster. And I know that they've talked about, Monumental has like, oh, we're going to have to change some of the traffic patterns and we're committed to this and we're committed to helping build an expansion of this metro line station like i'd imagine also getting off a flight like let's say you you know anthony same question right you go to your your game that you're working anthony's been doing some some statistician work on the weekends for uh, some game broadcasts and flying all over the country and and you come back on sunday night and you're like i'm gonna uber home Oh, by the way, your Uber now has to fight game traffic. And so surge pricing, you're now looking at like, geez, for you to get back to prep, bro, it's like a $150 Uber. Easy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking at some some pennies for sure. It's going to be a lot of money. It might as well, you might as well just take that Metro to, ironically, to Gallery Place and hop on the, the red line there and skeet out all back on uptown. Yeah. Good gracious. It's not good. No. And so, like, these are, and, and, you know, we deal with this with, like, the football team, obviously, with FedEx and, and whatever, and these are concerns around RFK, but it's different 10 times per year. 
if both teams are at this arena, that is 82 nights a year you're talking about this stuff. 82 nights a year that you have a conflict, at least. And if, God forbid, they're good and they go to the playoffs, you know, over 100 nights a year. Um, plus concerts, plus whatever else. You're, you're talking about a t very high frequency that not only residential areas in Alexandria have total bamboozlement of traffic, but one of the nation's busier airports also has this issue. And that conflict is one that I think needs to be considered by the state assembly, by the local folks in Alexandria, um, and something that I think everyone who uses DCA needs to think about. So just, you know, more food for thought, not saying it should be a deal breaker, not saying that this is the end and whatever, but like it's something that needs to be figured out and dealt with sooner rather than later because the more steps and complication of things that need to be built, whether it's additional highway, whether it's, um, you know, side roads that lead their special event only to the arena, whether it is, again, an expansion of this metro station that is currently not remotely built for this kind of volume, you need to you need to get a move on it because the construction is like the planning stage. You don't have you have like a year and then you got three years to build it before the teams are going to be in there. Woo. Woo. Uh, real quick, a couple commanders comments here and never read the comments uh, on our video from Take Command talking about the potential next commander's head coach. Scott Cooper, 444, says we need a coach who doesn't let his system get in the way of what's best for the personnel. Too many coaches try to bend players to their system instead of creating opportunities to showcase their strengths. There is a saying, and it's fresh on my mind because we recorded uh, our fitness podcast, the Train With The Best podcast today. Uh, my buddy Chris Gores and I have only been doing that for eight years. Um, but there's a, there's a phrase that Chris taught me that we apply a lot in the personal training and in physical fitness world that I think applies to coaching in football world as well, which is methods are many, principles are few. Methods don't always last. Principles always do. I think it's important to have principles. We would like to attack a defense this way because it puts them in conflict and like there are big picture elements and, and philosophies of how you want to attack as a coach how you want to scheme and part of another principle is like I would like to get my best players the ball that would be a principle for me how you go about doing that depends on the people and you have to be able to customize it to who you have methods are many principles are few methods don't always last principles always do and I agree and I think certain coaches do a really great job of that Kyle Shanahan is the king of this um, other coaches including I think Eric Bieniemy this year in Washington not quite as much and you see the the difference uh, as well as obviously the people that Kyle is getting the ball to are much better football players than the people that Eric is trying to get the football to one way or another um, Ox Spiff says spot on about Ben Johnson who I've said is my favorite even despite the Lions recent struggles he's done a masterful job with golf by maximizing the things he does well and rather than simply copying concepts verbatim from what he executed in LA Johnson builds upon them by installing concepts that best suits the Lions personnel a strong running game that sets up a passing game that is both diverse yet simple for the quarterback to execute is exactly what we need to set up Howell for success I agree with that uh, really hope they're able to snag Johnson. He checks all the boxes you guys mentioned, plus analytical mindset. He's apparently a math and uh, computer science major that hopefully appeals to Josh Harris. 
and a QB from North Carolina. There's footage of him working with Hal at the Senior Bowl. It's serendipity. I think there's a lot to like about Ben Johnson. I thought it was interesting today. I want to try to reach out to ESPN and see if we can get Bill Barnwell in. Barnwell ranked 10 jobs that he thinks will be open or potentially open this offseason. He had the Washington job seventh. I think that's way too low. I know I'm a little bit biased, but sheesh, that feels incredibly low. Um, but I'd be curious to see what he thinks, and I'm guessing the roster is a part of that. But I got a lot of, a lot of resources to fix this roster. Um, that'll do for Never Read the Comments this week. If you would like to leave yours, you always can, at Craig Hoffman or at the team 980 on Take Command at 106.7 The Fan as well. We got a brand new Take Command podcast coming out tomorrow morning with Matt Miller from ESPN, who had a very interesting take on the quarterbacks in this class versus what he would, how he'd evaluate them versus Sam Howell. Definitely do not want to miss that. Might play it for you tomorrow on the radio show as well. But make sure you're subscribed to Take Command and to 1067 The Fans YouTube page. And of course, The Hoffman Show streams live all three hours every single day on the Team 980. When we get back here live on the Team 980, back to our top story, back to the Wizards and Capitals moving to Potomac Yards and why I still wonder if both actually have to move. I'll explain next on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app.